From Brooklyn, New York, I'm Adam Teeter. From Connecticut, I'm Erica Ducey. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the Vine Fair Podcast. And guys, uh, you know, I think we're, I guess when this is coming out, is it going to be the first day of summer? Is, that, is the first day of summer June? Tw- yeah. Yeah, the first day of summer is what, June 21st, right? Or June 22nd? Okay, so this is a point where I admit something embarrassing, which is I don't really understand, like the solstice is sometimes on the 21st, sometimes it's the 20th or the 22nd. Like, <laughs> I'm sure that some of our listeners out there are like, you know, just pulling their hair out at my ignorance. But like, I kind of always thought growing up, it was the 21st. And then some days it's like, no, 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 it's the 22nd. I, 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 I'm, I'm lost. Yeah. For me, June was always the beginning of summer, like like Memorial Day, June 1st. So it's always weird when then you start hearing people say like, no, it actually, you, you were still in spring for basically the entire month of June. <laughs> you're like, yeah. oh, okay. So like now we're in summer? Interesting. Why is that? Like, <laughs> this is just so odd. Well, it has something to do with like the sun traveling the longest path through the sky. And like the day before that day has the most daylight, I think. I'm not an expert, but I think that's more or less what it is. Let me add that apparently there, you know, there's the thing that was added to my confusion as a child is there's this like quasi holiday called Midsummer's Eve, which you would think of as being like, I don't know, in the middle of summer, but it always comes like three days after the solstice. It's June 24th this year. So apparently summer starts on the 21st and is halfway over by the 24th. I'm confused. (laughs) Yeah, it is weird too, because yeah, because I always sort of relate summer to those like really that really late long daylight but actually it really is only in the very beginning of summer that the daylight's super long because then you know obviously we start getting we're marching back towards you know shorter shorter days uh, after after the solstice which is always weird yeah so yeah it's it's but yeah man we're in summer so let's let's do it you know let's let's hang out in our our homes in quarantine still but pretend that it's summer and that someone <laughs> someone somewhere is going on summer vacation yeah, I don't know how it is in uh, on the East Coast, but it definitely feels like summer in Seattle today. It's like 80, 80 degrees and sunny, so I'm happy. Nice. That's great. Yeah, it's it's warm here. It's warm. Not super hot yet, <laughs> but it's going to get there. So uh, so this week, we're going to talk about this really amazing um, festival that we're running at Vine Pair uh, Wednesday through Friday of this week called the Vine Pair Great Drinks Experience. Um, and so we basically conceived of this uh, digital drinks festival a few months ago, uh, with this idea being, you know, how could we bring the drinks community together uh, while we were all quarantining? So we're really excited about it, and we are hoping that you, as our listeners, are really excited about it. So we're going to take this episode to really just talk about the festival, uh, get you excited about some of the sessions you can join. All the sessions are free to join, which is uh, awesome. Was one of the things that we wanted to make sure uh, was a priority when we were putting the festival together was that everything would be free for our readers and listeners to attend. Uh, and all you got to do is have a computer and a Zoom account, and you can, uh, you know, watch all of these amazing. Uh, tutorials, talks, etc. So with that in mind, guys, I thought we'd like just jump into the schedule. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. Cool. So the, the festival starts on the 24th. So this Wednesday, uh, there are two so the the thing with the festivals we did we did some uh, sessions that are trade focused. Uh, so for people who actually work in the alcohol beverage industry, and and then the others that are consumer and trade. Right, I think there's a lot for both people to get out of them. But um, you know, I think there will be more explanation in the consumer session so that, you know, everyone feels like they can sort of follow along and enjoy what everyone's talking about. Um, but so the first two sessions on Wednesday, June 24th are just, you know, they're, they're, 
trade tastings about uh, Rueda, wines from Rueda and wines from Ribera del Duero. I think they're going to be awesome um, sessions. You're talking about how the white wine from Rueda is one of the best kept secrets uh, in terms of white wine around the world and how, you know, Tempranillo is a really great year round red for people to look for, especially when it comes to buying wine at their wine shop. But those sessions are at capacity. So I feel like it's not worth us spending too much time on them just because they're already totally filled. But the next one is going to be really great, and that is at 6 p.m. Eastern time. So all these times are Eastern, but if you live on the West Coast, come on, you can join us as well. Uh, we're going to be doing a session at 6 p.m. Eastern called The Role of a Brewery in, a, in the Community and Culture with the Bronx Brewery. Uh, and so for those who are not familiar with Bronx Brewery, it is, uh, as the name says, a brewery based in the Bronx. And they have always made it their, you know, part of their mission and ethos as a company to be very much ingrained in that community. So they, they're going to come on and talk about, you know, culture in craft beer, what it means to employ a diverse staff, um, what it means to, you know, work with a community that may not be as familiar with the movement of craft beer as, as some other communities might be and how you speak about beer and educate people and bring them into the world of craft beer. So I'm super excited about that session. And that's going to be led by uh, our staff, our, I'm sorry, our associate editor and beer expert, Kat Walensky. Yay. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious where, you know, one of the things I, I'm interested in this one is, is that idea of, you know, you, I remember, Adam, you did an interview, and now I'm blanking on the name, which is bad, because I edit all these, but uh, we did a, you did a COVID conversations with uh, someone who has a brewery in Manhattan. And I was thinking about how Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy's uh, Torch and Crown. Yeah, that's right. And I and I was thinking about, you know, how it's really interesting and, and, you know, not that it's this is the place to go into it, but I think about how, like, you know, New York City is one of those places where you can have all these different, you know, the equivalent to sort of, I guess, borough breweries, right? So not quite neighborhood breweries are a little more macro than that. But, like, I wonder if there's, like, a little bit of, like, a, I mean, there's presumably the, the Bronx is different than Manhattan or Queens or Brooklyn or whatever. And, and I wonder, you know, that it'd be interesting to hear what they have to say about that very Bronx-specific mentality. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really curious. I think also, you know, they have a um, they have a pretty strong uh, position that they've taken in the world of craft beer, which they they are going to get into a lot in this session with Cat, which is that craft beer has always, you know, tried to to say that like beer is culture and that it's welcoming. But th the problem with craft beer across the country, for the most part, is that it really is a very industry very heavily dominated by white men, um, and they've tried to you know be a small part in fixing that. Um, but you know, they want to talk a lot in this session about what that means, how you do that. Uh, and a lot of it means changing the way you talk about beer. It means, you know, becoming a place that is more inclusive and, and how do you, through hospitality, create that, that inclusivity, right? How do you make people feel, feel welcome? Cause you can still make the, the crazy beers that everyone else is making, right? They, Bronx Brewery still makes a New England IPA, right? But they, the way they talk about it to their customer base makes the customer base feel comfortable and at ease and not like they're talking about this beer that, you know, if you don't know, if you, if you already don't know what this kind of style was before you got here, then you probably won't get it and probably shouldn't try it anyways. Um, and so I think it should be a really fun conversation to sort of hear, you know, from their perspective, how they've been so successful in reaching, uh, you know, communities that historically have not been craft beer drinking communities. And obviously, should and could be, but that a lot of the craft beer, you know, industry has somewhat ignored because they feel like, well, that's too hard. Like they're not going to like our beer anyway. So we're just going to go to the same customer base that everyone else goes to. So that one should be a fun one. Um, 7.30 right afterwards. So all these sessions, by the way, are 45 uh, minutes to an hour. And what's really great is that you not only get to watch the session, but you get to ask questions, you get to take part. Um, so, you know, you can not only tune in. So it's, it's not like listening to, uh, 
Zach, Eric, and I do the podcast where basically <laughs> maybe you email podcast at vinepair.com, but you could, you know, in real time, send in questions that will get answered during the sessions, which is great. Yeah. Uh, so the next session, which I'm super excited about is a uh, rum reimagined with 10 to one rum. So 10 to one was started by Mark Farrell. Um, he has been on the podcast before. So if you've listened to pot to podcast, it was about a year ago, Zach, we had him on. Yeah, almost exactly a year ago, uh, June of 2019. That's right. So so Mark uh, is surprisingly as well, um, the only, it's the only rum brand in America owned by someone who's black, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, Mark's born and raised in, the, in Trinidad. Um, he moved to the United States uh, 10 years ago or so, has had, had an amazing career in, in lots of different places, including being like the youngest ever vice president at Starbucks. Um, and this has always been his passion was to start this brand and the rum is really delicious. We actually named their white rum as one of the best white rums, uh, available, uh, in America. Um, and so we're going to come and talk a lot about just rum in general, have really, I mean, it's gonna be a lot like our podcast, uh, conversation actually, Zach, we're gonna talk a lot about, you know, history of rum, um, what, why there have been barriers to entry for people who actually are from the islands, um, themselves, why it has been really dominated by a lot of large corporations for so long. Um, and then we're going to make some really delicious cocktails. He's going to show uh, me how to make uh, an old fashioned and a daiquiri. We're also going to talk about some of his favorite serves from growing up in Trinidad. So um, what's really crazy, I never knew. Um, it was like the 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 drink in, in Trinidad is actually, it's not like a daiquiri or a pina colada or whatever. Like most people drink their rum with either coconut water or tonic. Um which is, which is really cool. And so we're going to talk about some of those drinks as well and how rum can be this really amazing thing that you use in, in place of a lot of other different spirits. Do you guys make a lot of rum cocktails? I do. I love rum old fashions. <laughs> you do? Oh yeah, you do love a rum old fashioned. I remember yeah. you, you talked about this. What kind of rum do you use? Um, I use, uh, a, I mean, any type of aged rum will do. Um, but I, I, I tend to find ones with a really deep, um, age base, but actually I made, um, I also made last week, uh, we had the dark and stormy. So I've been making a right. ton of rum cocktails and they have, they're just so delicious. They always just make me feel like vacation. Like, so, you know, it's kind of like an escape anytime you're having rum and this 10 to one rum I've had before. And it's, it's really good. It's really good. Yeah. I think the way they make it too is really interesting. Uh, not to give too much away to the people who on the who listen to the podcast who are going to join the session, but um, he actually sources the rum from five different distilleries all over the Caribbean and then blends it. So it's his way of also creating like a a rum that encompasses the entire Caribbean as opposed to, you yeah. know, just going to one distillery, which I think is super cool because a lot of people don't do that. Yeah. It's kind of actually like what we were talking about when we did the last podcast about Gosling, similar sort of concept in terms of blending from multiple islands to give you a, a more sort of uh, broad uh, palette. Exactly. Exactly. And then the last um, session on Wednesday night, June 24th at 9 PM is a live vine pair podcast recording. Woo! So if you ever want to see what we look like uh, when oh. <laughs> while we're recording, tune in, and we're going to have special guest Kyle McLaughlin, who is the obviously award-winning actor from you know things such as Twin Peaks, Sex and the City. I plan to ask him if he likes a co- if he he loves Cosmopolitans um, and Desperate Housewives, among many other things, but also the owner of the winery pursued by Bear in Washington State. Um, and Zach, I think you're going to have a lot to ask him. Yeah, I was going to say it, it's interesting, you know, we I've had the opportunity to taste uh 
wine with Kyle a couple of times. And, and you know, you never know when you meet someone. Oh, who's, look you at know, you just like throwing cash. Like, oh, I already know. Kyle. I've met Kyle a couple of times. It's cool. Hey, and you, you do 85% of the name dropping on this podcast. So I get to do a little bit. Okay. That's true. <laughs> so, uh, he, uh, he, uh, what's, it, what's cool is, you know, I've had the, uh, you know, sometimes you meet people who are, you know, uh, famous from other walks of life who are associated with a uh, spirits or wine or beer brand. And, you know, they might like the thing that they're, they're probably not, you know, they're not, they care, but but it's not really something that they're doing. You know, they're branding, right? They're 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 selling their name. And my sense with Kyle's always been that he's really interested in wine, that he's pretty involved in the winemaking process, and that's always really cool. Um, because I mean, I love wine too, so of course I'm always interested to talk to someone who loves wine. Right. The wines are really good, and I'm excited to get a chance to share with not just Adam and and uh, but all of you my my love for wines here in Washington State because it doesn't come up on the podcast that often. But uh, every once in a you while, you try I to it. bring it up pretty often, <laughs> just just a little bit. I mean, and and he's also going to be joined by his winemaker, right, Dan Wamfler. Yeah, so Dan, who is the winemaker for Pursued by Bear and also Abeja in Washington, so we'll be we'll be tasting some wine. Uh, it'll be a good kind of late night uh, late night session. My things might get a little loose. You never know. Adam will have already had a bunch of rum, so who knows yeah, what he'll we'll have to say. Actually, don't don't think I didn't think about that. And I was like, uh, <laughs> this is going to be kind of difficult. Like I'm supposed to like make rum cocktails, and obviously I'm going to have one. And then I'm going to yeah. like roll right into the podcast. If you guys want to see me feel like feeling really good, you think that yeah. right now I sound like I have a lot of energy, tune in to the live, <laughs> live podcast recording at 9 p.m. on the 24th. So 6 p.m. for you West Coast folks. You in the middle of the country. You you know what time zone you're in. Um, and we are going to get nice talking about Pursued by Bear <laughs> and Abeja. Are they close to each other, Zach? Like are, are the wineries – in the same region, like yeah, so so pursued by bear, I think is kind of the, the so a bay house sources mostly from uh, the Walla Walla Valley, and uh, that's where the winery itself is, and then um, I believe that's that's also where the sort of winemaking for pursued by bear happens, and then uh, it's also, but I think they source a little more broadly from um, not just within Walla Walla, but also from other parts of the state. Um, but we, we'll have to ask. Why did I think I saw Yakima? Well, they're, they, I think they do make, they definitely get some Syrah, like the Syrah that we'll be tasting, I think is all maybe from the Yakima Valley, but, but we'll have to ask the, the, the experts. That's, that's, we get to ask the questions. Fine, fine, <laughs> fine. Okay, cool. Um, so then let's move to Thursday, June 25th. So, um, that is the first thing, which is a trade tasting, which should be really cool at 3 PM. So if you are in the trade and you are interested in attending any of these trade tastings, uh, shoot me an email, podcast.vinepair.com. Even though I'm sa- saying that they're sold out, we can see if we can get you in. Um, this one is uh, basically the one Erica's leading, right? Which is the complete yeah. guide to using truly hard seltzer in cocktails. Yes. And I'm really excited about this one. Okay. So you know that we have a love for hard seltzer. Maybe, you know, not everyone's thing, we got to say, but there is no denying that this is the fastest growing category of alcohol in in any in the country for sure yes, but for sure. you know in the past couple decades so this has been such an exciting really meteoric growth to see and it's really just happened since last summer so yeah. um i mean it's like you know i saw some sales figures recently that was like already this year you know before even the summer started had done like 990 million dollars in say like just insane numbers so you know people think of hard seltzer as like something that you know you can pick up throw it in your bag and head to the beach or whatever but you know people might not be thinking about how you can make 
make uh, cocktails with it. So for the trade, and I've seen the RSVP list, ton of bartenders who are interested in figuring out how to use hard seltzer most effectively in cocktails. And um, the cool thing about this is we are going to have Casey O'Neill, who is the founder of Truly Hard Seltzer. Um, and she's going to be walking us through with a friend of hers, Augusto Lynn, who's a well-known um, bartender and consultant in Boston, uh, a bunch of different hard seltzer cocktails. And what's cool with it is like you can go up in ABV by adding like, you know, hard seltzer to a Paloma with tequila, or you could go lower in ABV by adding, mixing the hard seltzer with like lemonade or like cherry juice and limeade or something like that. So um, I think there's a lot of use cases that haven't really been considered quite yet. And uh, I'm excited to hear more. I think that's going to be awesome. I, I definitely am excited on, on sitting in on it. Cause yeah, I'm, I mean, obviously you could think about hard seltzer is what everyone's just kind of slamming while they're sitting at the beach or whatever. But the, th- the thought of then moving it towards into the cocktail realm, I think is really, is really interesting and taking advantage of those flavors and a little bit of the alcohol that exists in them as well should be crazy. Totally. Um, so then the other trade tasting that day is at 4.30 on June 25th. And that's um, how it's possible to make great organic and natural wines in Argentina with the Zuccardi family who uh, are involved with Santa Julia. Uh, it's going to be a really cool tasting of lots of, um, you know, their organic and natural wines, some of their geekier stuff. Uh, again, it is sold out. But if you are interested, shoot me an email at podcastifimpair.com and be like, Adam, you said I could email you and we can talk. And then 6.30 is one of the sessions I'm the most excited about just because like I'm a huge, huge fan. And that is I'm going to be interviewing Dwayne Wade. Uh, you know, if you don't know who Dwayne Wade is, then you definitely don't like basketball. I'm very <laughs> shocked. Yeah. Go, just enter his name on YouTube and watch some highlights. And yeah. <laughs> watch him break ankles. Uh, so and it's going to be all about. Uh, his project, Wade Sellers, which he started uh, recently, and also, you know, just a conversation about how he fell in love with wine in the first place. Um, it, we've, we obviously on this podcast talked to Baxter Holmes before, who's covered um, Wade and LeBron and Bosch and a bunch of the other guys in the league who are all huge winos. Um, but it'll be really cool to get the story from him directly and, and get to really hear about how he fell in love with wine and why he decided to start a winery. He's got his hands in a lot of really cool projects since he retired from the league. Um, but this is, you know, one of his biggest passions. He, uh, he makes the wine with the Palmeyer family um, and he's very involved. So I think it'll be really interesting to sort of hear from them. And uh, one of the members of the Palmeyer family, Jamie, is also going to be joining us uh, in the conversation to sort of talk as well about how they operate the, the business together and what the goals are for the wine, uh, which there are some very, very lofty ones, which I think is really exciting. Um, and, you know, how he developed, you know, developed the kind of wines he wanted to make and all that kind of stuff. So I think, I think it should be awesome. And the cool thing is like, you also get to watch the conversation with Dwayne Wade and ask questions. Um, so, you know, if you've ever wanted to ask, you know, Dwayne Wade, if you think, if he thinks that he's a better blind taster than LeBron James, uh, <laughs> Man, you bet you gotta imagine those guys are super competitive if they ever do that, right? Oh, so For you know sure. that, that's like that's one of the things in one of Baxter's articles, I think, or I think he told us about that, right? When we were on the podcast. I think they're like very competitive about like who brings the best wine, but I wonder if they've kind of gotten into like yeah, like blind taste. I feel like I feel like that's a slippery slope. No, I think he told an I'm pretty <laughs> oh, okay. positive he told an anecdote that the LeBron claims to be the best blind taster. Ah, well, we'll, uh, we'll have to go back and listen. It's in the archives. So I'm get, yeah. So I'm gonna ask for sure, or you should. Uh, anyone here who <laughs> tunes in, because um, I'm super curious. And then you've got to assume too that like 
because those guys are so competitive, like someone is also considering opening a winery to compete. Like they're not just going to let Dwayne Wade be the only one out of that group of friends that are all into wine that that's going to like, Oh, you know what? You can, you can do the wine thing. Like you got to think like LeBron's already maybe put in some offers on some property in Napa. <laughs> He's probably looking at all the options. He's probably talked to a few winemakers. Though, though he's got, he's got some other things on his plate at the moment. Yeah. But how much longer do you think he has in the league? I mean, Oh my God. Okay. This is, this is getting far <laughs> afield, but if you've seen him play this year, you wouldn't necessarily think he's on his way out. He's I don't he either. Looks pretty damn good this year. Dude, as I've told you, I think I've, I don't think I've told you my hypothesis. He's going to wait until he can play at least a season in the league with his son. I would I have know. to imagine that's, that's appealing. And then I think he bounces because his son's really good too. Um, so yeah, I think his son comes in the league. They play like one or two seasons either together on the same team or against each other. He love he'll he would love that. And then he'll, you know, retire and, and do other amazing things. But yeah, so that's that's at 6.30. Then at 8 p.m. is a really cool session that's going to be moderated by Vine Pair contributor Aaron Goldfarb uh, and whiskey expert, which is called Beyond the Pickleback, exploring Irish single malt whiskey. Um, and this is a really cool session because I think a lot of people associate, obviously, single malts with Scotland uh, and scotch. But you know, some of the best single malts in the world are actually coming from Ireland. And Ireland actually claims they can prove they invented whiskey. And in my casual conversation with Aaron preparing for this session, he says it's actually believable. Like it it's it's quite possible that Ireland did invent whiskey. Um and then I uh, you know somehow it went across is it the channel? What what is it between Ireland is it just like the Atlantic Ocean? I know it's probably called something else between Ireland. Oh, man. And well, Ireland. the people who were not pulling their hair out about <laughs> me not knowing when the solstice is are definitely getting pissed off about our lack of geog- geographic knowledge <laughs> yes. of but, the British Isles. But went over uh, to Scotland, and you know, then they took some of the practices, but also started using you know peat in order to dry the the grains, as opposed to I think uh, in Ireland they were using a lot you know, more wood and, and things like that. Uh, and so a lot of people also say that the Irish whiskey is cleaner, right? It doesn't have as much of that smoky flavor, but it reflects more of the the grains of which it's made from and stuff. So that should be a really cool um, session. And I think one of the, the cool things too, if you're a whiskey nerd and, you listen, and you're listening to the podcast or you know a whiskey nerd, um, is that the other thing that's great about Irish whiskey is the single malts are still very much under the radar of most you know, whiskey consumers. And so you can buy bottles with significant age, you know, 12 year, 15 year, 18 years for still well under $50 a bottle. Um, and that's pretty unheard of at this point, especially when it comes to scotch and bourbon. Um, so I think that should be a, a really fun, um, a really fun session. And then the final session for Thursday, June 25th at 9.30 p.m., uh, so 6.30 p.m. on the West Coast, is Tiki Modern Tropical Cocktails with author and bartender Shannon Mustafer. So we have uh, profiled the this amazing book in last year's print edition. Um, but, you know, Erica, you're leading that session, so you want to tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah. So, um, so Shannon's book published last year by Rizzoli, and it was the first cocktail book to be written by a working black bartender published by a major publishing house in more than a hundred years. Which is so, just nuts. 
it, it, I mean, A, that's nuts, but B, that's, um, you know, it, it was a really landmark um, book and has been, you know, um, really celebrated. Uh, I mean, Shannon, in her work, both as a rum expert and the beverage director for Gladys's Caribbean, um, in every aspect of what she does, she talks about uh, rum and sugar canes, you know, problematic history. Like the concept of the book is really reclaiming tiki. Uh, and so she, is going to take us through uh, the journey of writing the book, along with showing consumers and you know all of our guests who how to make three um, amazing tiki cocktails from the book. I mean, it's going to be a huge treat. You know, all in addition to being a really skilled bartender and a really wonderful presenter. Um, I think one one thing that I was excited to see uh, in her bio that I didn't realize before is that she. She was a visual artist before she um, became a bar and uh, spirits expert. So she was at RISD studying um, visual arts and then was a photo stylist. And uh, And I didn't realize that she had actually art directed um, her book, which is gorgeous. And uh, so, you know, she's a multi-talented um uh, expert in all things visual and spirits. And I think it's going to be a really compelling conversation. I'm super excited. So that's Thursday at 930. And there's still spots available, but it's probably going to fill up quickly. That is awesome. Yeah, that one looks I'm, I'm really pumped for that one. And Tiki intimidates the crap out of me. So I'm really excited to, to learn from her and, and probably see that it's not as intimidating as I think it is. Yeah. I have I have one note about I I interviewed Shannon for an article I wrote a few years ago, and it's one of the few times when I've been interviewing someone where I got so caught up in what they were saying that I stopped taking notes, which was not <laughs> ideal for my writing the article. But she, she's a really captivating speaker, in addition to being an excellent bartender. Awesome! Great. Yeah, I think that's going to be one of our 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 really you know top sessions. Um, although they're all top guys. Uh, <laughs> so then, fr- moving on to Friday. Uh, so. At 6 p.m., we have an amazing tutorial on uh, the wines of Argentina. So that should be great for anyone who's really curious about uh, getting to know, you know, what the region's all about, you know, why why the country produces some of the best wine in the world. Uh, it's also going to be with the Zuccardi family. So that should be a lot of fun for you to sort of come in and learn about Rosé and Malbec and, you know, Bordeaux Sablens and all, all the kind of really, you know, great stuff that they make. And understanding the regions of the country and where they think there's going to be some of the most potential moving forward. So, th- so that one's a, a session that I'm, I'm super pumped for. Um, also because, you know, it's going to be led by Tim McCurdy, uh, our staff writer who lived in Argentina for six years uh, and was an executive chef down there before he transitioned into being a, uh, you know, a, a wine and spirits writer. Um, so I think he'll have a, a lot to add to the conversation, which should make it really fun. And then finally, uh, on, at 7.30 on uh, Friday, June 26th, will be a Q&A happy hour with the founder, Casey of Truly Hard Seltzer, where you are going to get to ask any questions you've ever wanted to know about hard seltzer, uh, which should be fun because as Erica said earlier, it is an explosive category, something that we all have to be uh, you know, more aware of than we have in the past. And I'm just super curious. It's like how she, you know, came up with the idea for truly in the first place, you know, how she develops the flavor she develops, uh, what her favorite flavor is to be perfectly honest, because everyone's got one uh, and what she thinks the next big trends are going to be. Um, I actually just got sent to me here at, uh, at my apartment, a rival company's new hard seltzers. And I've seen that they're now uh, departing from 
there's like fruit flavors of like black cherry and grapefruit and stuff like that. And they're actually, their flavors are all cocktail influenced. So the three that they sent me is one is a sidecar, one is old an old fashioned and one is a gimlet. So I think it'll be really interesting to see like, okay, it's, it's, it's a, you know, are, are these, are these just as interesting? Are they, do they taste just as refreshing? Like would I want them? And they're also higher in alcohol, which I think will also be, I'm, I'm curious to try because most of like the hard seltzer that's really exploded is like four and a half percent, but these are all uh, seven to eight. So I'd like, I'd love to talk to her about that as well and sort of see like, does she think that there's going to become a trend where we, we move to, to higher alcohol seltzers? Yeah, that's interesting. I'm curious to know about the calories. So I think one of the things about Truly that appeals to a, a lot of people is um is one of the lowest in the calorie counts. It has about uh, I think it has a hundred calories in in each can. And I'm curious to know for the other ones what the calorie counts would be on that because I think as you're moving into both the higher ABV and possibly sweeter leaning flavors, that could definitely impact that for sure. Um, and then one last session uh, before I forget. Also, anyone at, at the pod, who listens to the podcast who wants to, June twenty sixth is my birthday. So oh. you, know, you know, if you want to wish me a happy birthday, again, podcastdefinepair.com. Just say, hey, Adam, happy birthday. I'd appreciate it. Uh, and so at nine p.m. on that day, I'm hosting the final session, which is a, a conversation with the author of Camp Cocktails. Um, and that should be really fun, Erica. We featured Camp Cocktails on the site recently, right? Yeah, definitely. So there's so Emily Vicker is the uh, speaker who's going to be with us, and she is the founder of Vicker Distillery, which is, um, I believe it's in Michigan. And she wrote this really fun book, which was about camping cocktails. So what are the cocktails that you can and should make when you're camping? And some of them involve like roasted fruits over the fire type things. So you get some of that smokiness in the uh, cocktails. And there's a lot of really fun ideas in there. And we profiled a couple of them on the site. Uh, and I know that she will be bringing, um, you know, some new cool ideas so that as we are doing social distance uh, socializing this summer, um, camping is a really great thing to do with your friends. And, you know, if you're if you're doing it in a safe way and, um, and out in the great outdoors, well, these are the cocktails that you can take with you to help heighten uh, your um, fun quotient as you're out in that forest. <laughs> I mean, I think I, I, I'm super excited. I know not to give too much away, but I know one of the cocktails we're going to make is she's going to show me how to turn a marshmallow into a shot glass. Oh my goodness. Oh, that mm-hmm. sounds like fun. That's gonna be that sounds like danger, frankly. Sounds super dangerous. It also sounds like I'm going to make a mess and get in big trouble. Uh, <laughs> Naomi afterwards, but I'm still going to try. It's your birthday. You got the get out of jail free card. Uh, oh, yeah, big time. I, I, I love my birthday. So that's <laughs> – and with that, that is uh, – that's going to be the Vine Pair Great Drinks Experience 2020. Our goal is to you know continue this in years to come, obviously, hopefully in the physical world instead of just the digital. But uh, this this first year should be a lot of fun. Um, you know, We're excited for everyone who wants to – who comes and attends. So please attend as many uh, sessions as you are able to. Also, for those that attend – three or more sessions, we're going to be giving away an awesome Vine Pair Great Drinks Experience tote bag that we'll send you. So uh, we're going to keep track of the sessions that everyone attends. And uh, if you attend three or more, we'll reach out and send you a tote. So, uh, you know, keep that in mind as well. You get rewarded for learning more. Uh, and that, with that, I think, guys, uh, that calls our show to a wrap for this week. Um, and I'll see you guys after the drinks experience next week. See you then. Sounds great. 
thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Erica Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Patry and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my Vinepair co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the Vinepair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.